Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jay, and you're tuning into Visual Radio. Thank you so much, and I'm hoping you're having a wonderful Friday and looking forward to a great weekend. So today we're going to be discussing True Detective Season 3, Episodes 3 and 4. Now, when we left off on our last episode, Episode 2, we had Wayne in a bathrobe in 2015, 70 years old, with his car parked in the middle of the street, and he's looking at what seems to be the Purcell home, only it's been abandoned and it looks like it got burned down, but we have no clue as to why Wayne even drove there. It's clear that he is in a state of dementia or Alzheimer's and where he is at this point driving himself or walking or retracing memories or something and he just happened to be upon the beginning of what would be this life-altering crime uh, for him and for his and I mean really his entire life so let's go ahead and talk about episode 3 it's called the big never and let's go ahead and get into it so it's 1990 and we did leave off that basically they're reopening the case for the Purcell kids and where we find out that Julie or potentially Julie has been in a Walgreens in Oklahoma and she happened to leave her prints um, on the counter. So it's 1990 and we actually see um, Wayne and his wife Amelia at this point Amelia and they're spending their their time at this parking lot in Walgreens and just kind of thinking about talking about what's going on with this case so they end up kind of just exchanging some words but kind of overall saying like you know what maybe we should just kind of put this down we should get ourselves a motel and just have fun the entire night to which Wayne basically responds boy that'd be great but instead of actually getting down to it they end up discussing the case and that's when Amelia tries to kind of coax Wayne to see if he would be down for her to go to the police and just kind of ask around about what's been going on with this whole thing so again kind of having brought up that Wayne kind of woke up in the middle of this delirious thing and where he's just at this at the Purcell home, he is at the doctor's with his son, and basically the doctor's kind of telling him about the situation, and Wayne kind of just replies like, "Look, I don't know why I did this. I can't remember, but there's a reason for it." To which you see, you know, his son Teddy just kind of in the back uh, in the background, just kind of like looking at him because you you could tell that that's the dynamic with Teddy and his father Wayne is that. Teddy seems to have some sort of resentment with his father, but the big conflicting thing is that he realizes that his father is in a state of dementia, and so he does not want to or even think about separating himself from his father. It's clear that at this point in the time, in 2015, Amelia is gone, so she died. And at this point, Teddy only has his father because his sister is apparently in Los Angeles and she's in, uh, I believe she's doing music. So at that point, that's when Teddy kind of, in this doctor's office, he tells Wayne, look, if this kind of 
keeps happening, you know, like there's we could always have a home, like the a nursing home that's supposed to be good. And this is when Wayne becomes very confrontational. So most of the time, not that it's a lot of the time, you do see Wayne, 2015 Wayne, in a state of like, he's trying to remember things, he's trying to piece together things. But the moment that his son tells him, look, we could go ahead and take you to where they're going to take care of you, which is a nursing home. He straight up says that if his son puts him inside of a nursing home, he's going to kill himself. And that's that. So I think that kind of shows how I guess that even though Wayne is very fragile and very susceptible to being kind of misled or he especially by his own mind he is still smart and has enough wit to kind of tell and i mean not only his son but basically anybody i'm sure that he is not someone to kind of mess around with and he knows what and what his uh what his stance is you know and start Kind of recapping back to the 1980s so in this timeline in episode two we found out that there was a note sent to the purcell home this note is cut up from a bunch of magazines and it essentially says that julie is fine and that all children should laugh and that's kind of it so tom obviously is very distraught about what every you know everything that's been happening so this leads to roland and wayne to open up the case again so they're re-examining everything and they start with why the kids were lying about hanging out with their neighbor friend because remember in episode one the first thing that the kids tell their father is hey we're gonna go hang out at ronnie's he got a new dog uh we just want to hang out for a bit but then we find out through a call with uh, Ronnie's father was that you know they never they never did that. Ronnie's father ends up talking to Ronnie himself, and Ronnie says, "Well, we don't really hang out, but I did tell them about the dog, and I did tell them that they could come by at any point that they want." So that's a big clue or indication that the detectives are trying to find out, trying to figure out like what's going on. So they interview Ronnie again. And again, he says that they didn't play much with Will and Julie, which kind of goes, goes prompting, um, it prompts Detective Hayes and Roland to go ahead and try to like, uh, I guess find more clues, right? So in Julie's room, that's where Detective Hayes finds a bunch of notes. And the notes are all written like in little pieces of paper that have kind of been uh, ripped up, right? And little hand, little pieces of handwriting. It says, and, and just to, for a few examples, I'll always keep you safe. There's one that says, "Don't listen," and there are various other ones. Um, he also finds um, a old bag of Hoyt Foods, which is Lucy's old employer, and Lucy is the mother of both Will and Julie. And so the partners decide to check out the company, which through their Ozark Children's Outreach Center, which it's like a, a, a reach outreach center that pretty much has inf information about the, the company. They figure out that there has been a reward for more information on the kids. So Wayne kind of finds this a little fishy because he's kind of like, well, that's all in, I mean, it's all in all, it's good, but 
why exactly would this company, aside from being an old employer of Lucy's, have that much interest in the case and let alone give like a lot of money for information about it. So that's something that's really interesting. Returning to 1990, uh, Roland, because he's being interviewed by a bunch of these other detectives, he confesses that he doesn't see Wayne uh, much anymore and that he doesn't really know the reason as to why. He said that once they stopped working together, they just kind of stopped. And Wayne hasn't stopped looking for the missing kids because there is a scene in where Wayne is told by his wife to go to a Walmart. And while at this Walmart, which, I mean, it's kind of funny to really see it in a TV show because at the time, I guess the Walmart superstores were like a really big thing because they just were, were opened up or whatever. So it's a huge, huge place and he's picking out some chips or cereal or something like that. And then he turns around and his uh, little girl, Rebecca, is gone. He asks uh, young Ted, hey, like, where's your sister? They can't find her. So he's like running around the store. He eventually goes up to a Walmart employee and tells him that he's a cop and that he needs to shut down the store because there is a missing child. But then Rebecca just kind of pops out of nowhere and tells him that she's been basically fine so i think that is a big big correlation with just the what's the word kind of like the effects you could say of having worked this case it could be also an example of his ptsd that he had when he was in vietnam because obviously he's the way he is because of that you know he Kind of had to grow up real quick so what if due to the kids missing paul will being dead for one and julie purcell being i guess what whatever it is kidnapped uh brainwashed whatever and she's a grown-up all all of a sudden but the fact that the kid he couldn't see his own kid i think really brings back those type of memories and that really does suck so while this is going on his wife, Amelia, is doing a little detective work on her own. And that's something that's really interesting about Amelia's character. And the actress that plays her is is does, is doing such a good job, I think, of at least portraying an individual who is very multi-layered. And what I mean by that is that there's more than just meets the eye. She seems to be a school teacher who has taken a very strong interest in these kids but i think there's something more to that i i did talk about some theories in the last episode and about whether or not she is a suspect in what's been happening with these kids but right now it's too early to tell uh in this episode i don't i don't even really see anything that would indicate anything but she does do a good job of playing this double persona and that's something that she actually said in the last episode too she said to Wayne that she likes to imagine herself somewhere else or being somewhere else and she's an entirely different person. So I think that's where this kind of plays into a factor. So while Wayne is at a Walmart, she's doing the detective work. And so she ends up going to that police station that she had told Wayne about. And she flirts with the cop to end up eventually finding out that the prints were on the shelves and not behind the counter. So she was a customer and not working at that Oklahoma Walgreens so when she returns home Wayne is kind of in a, in a upsetting mood I guess because he got freaked out about his kids 
or his girl almost disappearing and when he hears that Amelia was doing undercover work he's kind of like what the hell like you know I told you to kind of drop this what are you doing and instead of actually thanking her for getting information he pushes her away so that's something that I think is a reoccurring theme with with Wayne and that's he doesn't know how to properly say thanks or maybe cooperation it's 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 almost like he's the lone wolf you know in this he is the predator he doesn't need any help um hunting his prey but it's kind of interesting that he really does push his wife away while she's helping but then again we have to question her her motives and her intentions and i think the fact that wayne kind of overreacts when she tells him hey like i'm writing this book and he kind of doesn't really want to be a part of it because he sees his name come up and come up and that's something that he doesn't like to be associated with i guess we go ahead and get a time jump in the 1980s and it's explained that the state park due to the founding of the body of will has been shut down so Wayne decides to do a little detective work and decides to go down this one path where he ends up finding a bag of toys and some dice and a bunch of other stuff. So clearly it's possibly an indication that it belonged to either Will, the girl, or whoever it was that they were meeting at the park. Um, what he also finds though is a trail of hair and blood located on some sharp rocks so what he ends up deducing is that this is the spot where will was killed he grabs roland and he checks out the location but while he's scouting uh, directly outside of this little forest area he sees a house so both the detectives end up going to this house and they see an, an old man and you know the old man doesn't seem really suspicious of anything but when they ask him hey have you seen these kids he does say, hey, you know what, I've actually seen them down my road. Um, the last time I saw them was not too long ago. I saw them with two people, a black man and a white woman. So right away, detectives are kind of like, what's kind of going on? There's no one that has matched that description so far, at least according to the past three episodes that we've been seeing. And so that definitely raises a, a big flag. Who are these people and how is it that they're you know that they're related to the, the the case if they are so they ask the the guy are are you willing to let us roam the the land but he doesn't he doesn't let them he says that without a warrant he's not willing to pretty much do anything um so that that does suck for them because it could have potentially led to more clues found and we can't really deduce um, at this point if this guy is bad news, if he has more to say besides, you know, hey, you can't get on my land. But that's not revealed to us, at least not yet. So in 2015, Wayne is doing the documentary interview and Eliza, who is the director, is questioning the investigation. And she ends up telling Wayne that not everybody was interviewed. She does bring up a suspicious brown sedan that was seen supposedly um, in relation to, to the Purcell things. 
And that does seem to be familiar to Wayne. That's something he ends up kind of like, that's interesting. Um, she also brings up a black man with a scar that was not mentioned in the official reports. Now, remember, we saw um, that the old man had seen uh, the kids playing or hanging out with a black man and a white woman. So is this the same person? It could be. While Teddy wants the investigation to stop, Wayne wants to know what's going on. He wants to keep on pushing. And so it's clear that he is getting information that he wanted to do from the first episode. In the first episode, while he's listening to the recording device, he tells himself, try to get close to uh, these people and see what you could find out. And so clearly it's working, so he wants to keep on doing the investigation, but he ends up stopping. Wayne is talking to himself, kind of going through the evidence later on in the night, and that's when he's kind of thinking about the brown sedan, he's thinking about Emilio's writing, talking to himself, and there's a gun on the desk. Amelia then appears next to him, so it's kind of like this memory that just keeps following him. And he just kind of says, hey, like, how much do I have to lose uh, for this? To which she responds, everything, same as everybody else. So it's clear that he is worried about what he's going to find. He hasn't read his wife's book, as far as we know. And that's something that is troubling for him. But she ends up telling him to finish it. She also mentioned something interesting, which is, you know what you left in the woods. So what this could mean, we don't know. But it's something that definitely had a big impact on on the way that he was perceiving this case, at least, in the 1990s. Jump back to 1980 we see the trash man Woodard um, run uh, he's driving his little go-kart with the trash thing uh, in back and out of nowhere these guys come out of their you know just off the road these trucks telling them to pull over they end up exchanging a few words and these men are apparently fathers to a lot of the kids in the area and they basically tell him look like if you hang around these kids, if I see you looking at a kid, we're just going to go ahead and fuck you up. And that's that. Woodard says that he he doesn't do that. That Why, why would he do that? Why would he have any indication uh, uh, as hurting, you know, hurting any kids? He says that he has kids to which the men respond with blows and they beat them up and that they kind of just leave them there lying but they tell him again, you know, we we better not see you talking to these kids. Um, Woodard rushes home and he grabs this really big bag. Um, what what is in the bag? We we don't know, but it's clearly something that is important. After the scene with Woodard and the fathers of the community, we go back to where Roland and Wayne are talking to Tom and Lucy. Um, regarding the toys that they found in the woods. Tom and Lucy say that the toys are not familiar at all and they really don't know what to make of it. But the kids' fingerprints were on them, joined by a mysterious third set. So this is where finally we have a complete verification 
that it wasn't only Julie and Will that were located in the in the woods and that's the area that they wanted to be in but there was also clearly another person that was there and that's finally we have a confirmation at least set in uh, in this evidence so while kind of just looking through some photos that the Purcells have in their home Wayne actually comes across this very interesting photo of Will so it's a baptism photo I think uh, about baptism or maybe like a first communion or something like that but it's very interesting because when you see this picture of Will he has his hands kind of folded out in front of him in front of his chest and his face is looking forward but his eyes are closed and this is almost like the exact same position that he was found in in the cave by Wayne so what do we make of that um, was Tom and Lucy are they lying or maybe where the location where they took the picture maybe is is responsible for for something that happened to Will but it's it's very damning evidence I think to see that photograph and I have a feeling that that's gonna come up in another episode or in relation to it because that is a very important piece I think that we have seen so far at least in regards to to Will's death and the connection of it um, so our time with the Purcells kind of ends right but we get a flash forward to the 1990s sorry where Roland is visiting a Tom Purcell but this Tom is not the, uh, the drunk mess that he is in the 1980s, but rather he's clean shaven so he doesn't have his signature mustache anymore. He doesn't have like, you know, this curly hair. He has it slicked back. He looks like he's been clean for, for a while. And he reveals to Roland that it's been about six months now that he's been clean. And he th actually thanks him for kind of pushing him in the right direction and I, I, apparently he was just in a really really bad spot um even till even 10 years or nine years after the fact that his kids went missing um we end up finding out through him that lucy died two years earlier in las vegas so that's 1988 um from an apparent overdose but overall tom looks good so it's clear that he has kind of faced his demons and it's cool that we see a little more character progression with with Roland too because we kind of see him as being a very hard-ass sort of lieutenant uh, detective that kind of doesn't play by anybody's rules which in itself could be seen as a stereotype or a cliche but I think by showing that hey this dude who was in a really bad spot in the 1980s obviously because he, he had his kids missing but the fact that this detective kind of put the badge aside and decided to be a little more personal with this grieving man and helping him kind of get on his feet that's I think really really cool and it shows that he's a human you know not just a cop so that's pretty cool um, he's already been Tom has already been approached by the interviewing people that we see interviewing Roland and um, Hayes in the 1990s and so he knows about the fingerprints he is aware that his girl is possibly alive still and so Roland and Tom they kind of just share a little private moment uh, they say a prayer and that's pretty much it so 
again continuing still in 1990s Roland goes to a bar and he finds Wayne sitting and just kind of drinking by himself so right away Roland is kind of like that's interesting because he's married for one he has kids and he's a, he's a cop so what is he doing here by himself and Wayne kind of tells him well you know what I'm kind of maybe avoiding going home to which Roland kind of he grabs himself a drink and sits down with him and just kind of chats a little with with his partner that he hasn't seen in a while um, we know that after the 1980s apparently uh, Hayes did leave the force or at least that division of the force he decided to take a desk job and he's been doing that for a while to which Roland kind of decides to say hey you know what um, I'm leading a new task force uh, the people that came to you to interview were actually also interviewing myself and I am basically asking you if you want a piece of this action he knows that Hayes is a good cop and he straight out tells him that he's a very good cop so he basically tells him look man you know if you want to you could join me and Hayes actually agrees he gets up from the bar and both of them kind of just walk out like buddy cop film <laughs> so it's pretty cool to see that you know from the first two episodes we know that these detectives at least 10 years after this big case they're not together anymore but it's nice to see that they're back together you know the, the boys are back in town and they're gonna try to make quick justice of whatever's happening hopefully in the 90s but we'll see what ends up happening because as we saw and we've seen in the 2015 uh, storyline with Wayne we know that something at least was accomplished in a sense uh, with the case in the 1990s the interviewer is clearly there to try to get answers but at the same time it's very apparent that they're not releasing everything at least not at the moment and we are currently at the 25 minute mark so if you're interested in kind of just taking a short break before talking about episode four i'm gonna go ahead and let you guys do that now but if you want to continue on rolling with it then let's just get on with it okay so episode three ended with the reunion of both detective hayes and detective roland west in the 1990s so now we are going to continue that uh, story and see what leads up to the investigation in the 1990s but um, in the episode we actually end up going back to the 1980s so we talked about how in episode 3 uh, Roland ended up found uh, sorry uh, both detective Hayes and Roland ended up finding that one picture of Will where he is positioned exactly the same way that he was found that's with his eyes closed and his hands joined together, um, pressed upon his chest. So that was a very interesting piece of information just because what a coincidence that they're going through pictures and they just so happen to find the position that he's going to end up being killed in or dead. We did talk about how Wayne ended up finding the bag of toys with dice and all that stuff and how there are some rocks that are sharp and have blood on them and hair so it's completely possible that that was the position 
uh, the spot in where Will was originally at when he died and somebody carried his body into that cave that uh, Detective Wayne ends up finding later on. So they talk to this priest at a local church, both Roland and Hayes, and it's apparent that both men aren't really believing or don't completely trust what's going on with the with the priest who doesn't really tell him anything but he does tell them that julie was excited about seeing an ant which is obviously very interesting because so far according to both the testimonies of lucy and tom purcell we haven't found anything we haven't found any other relatives besides the cousin dan who for now at least is not a potential suspect only because he has a supposed alibi but obviously she doesn't even have an aunt julie purcell so what aunt is she talking about roland is obviously suspicious of the priest who kind of just makes a comment saying um kind of if you're celibate i don't trust you because that's bullshit. everybody fucks something and obviously it's like Kind of his machismo sort of coming out or whatever but either way it's established that they don't really trust the, the priest so the priest ends up directing them towards this lady named patty and she actually makes dolls for the church fair because they show him pictures of the little dolls made out of straw that they found at the scenes and so apparently the priest does recognize that so they end up visiting this lady patty and they ask her hey who have you been selling these dolls to if it is you who makes them so she ends up revealing that the that a black man with a dead eye like a white eye was someone who was interested in buying these type of dolls and he ended up buying 10 uh, for his nieces and his nephews so when they ask her, hey, where would the guy live? Did he give any information? She ends up telling them, oh, he must live with the rest of them. And then looks at Detective Hayes. So obviously, Maharshala um, is a black man. And I'm starting to see so far with four episodes in of these eight episodes that are planned that race definitely has a factor in what's going on. Every other season has not really had a dominant black character in it. So it's interesting to see, especially the time setting being the 80s, uh, where obviously there were black cops, but this is only 20 years after the whole uh, Martin Luther King movement and stuff like that. So, And we're also dealing with 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 a state like arkansas where you know there might not have been so much toleration for that type of free and uh political movement for people of color so obviously hayes doesn't like that comment that she makes saying that they you know they, this black man probably lives with the rest of them so they end up just kind of talking and saying okay we're gonna go ahead and visit this place so this place is called Davis Junction, and it is essentially an area where it's it's a community uh, primarily of African Americans. And so they end up talking to this one guy called Sam Whitehead, who is a black man, and he does have a uh, dead eye. But he immediately starts getting defensive about the cops even talking to him in the first place because they end up announcing like, hey, you know what, this is in regards to Julian Will Purcell. 
And for him, it's kind of like, oh, of course, you know, you have two white kids missing. So automatically you think that a black man did it. And he gets a little riled up. So because he's being kind of expressive about it, you have everybody in the community coming out and starting to kind of just look at what's going on. And they must think that it's some uh, sort of police brutality. Uh, Roland ends up getting hit with dirt. And that's when he pulls out his gun and everybody kind of starts backing up. But this is, I think, where shit hits the fan. And now they're kind of in a position where it's like, whoa, like we need to get the hell out of here. And the man, Sam Whitehead, uh, Whitehead, he does not seem like he's lying about the whole kids thing. It really does seem like something that is kind of like, well, hold on a minute. Like, I'm just living here. I happen to have a dead eye. Uh, they tell him, hey, we're looking for a black man with a dead eye, and that's the description of the person who saw the kids last. But he ends up bringing up a good point, just saying, hey, you know what? I know a bunch of black people that have a dead eye, so why are you just focusing on me? So that kind of ends up escalating to the point where they just need to get the hell out of there. They return back to the church to look for the dead man, uh, dead eye man to see if maybe he ends up going to the church, but Roland ends up just getting a number for some one lady named Lori, who he ends up taking a liking to, and he claims that God is love, and you know, just he's probably just looking for a good time, not necessarily a religious one. Wayne ends up going now with Amelia. They have dinner, and they end up just talking about the case again. So. You have this dynamic of the wife and the husband or future wife and husband and how at the early stages of their marriage, they obviously were talking and they were sharing some things about the case. But remember that in the 1990s, Wayne had, but uh, it, according to the timeline in this episode, anyways, he had gotten mad at Amelia because she had gone behind his back and try to find out more information about the Julie Purcell uh, supposed sighting that they had seen at the Walgreens. So, you know, we, we transitioned back to the 1990s from their 1980s date. Wayne returns home because at this point in this timeline for the 90s, Roland had just told him, hey, like, I want you on the task force. So he's telling Amelia, but she's still upset about the fact that he got mad at her for even doing the investigation and stuff. Um, the kids are home, so obviously their arguing is something that is affecting their children. Now, remember that I have talked about uh, in this podcast and the last podcast for episodes one and two that his son doesn't seem to have the best relationship um, with his father. So it could be a correlation to that. Maybe because as a kid he saw how much his father would argue with his mother about things he kind of just grew up thinking like well you know what my dad's an asshole he would always yell at my mom and blah 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 but we have yet to see the little girl rebecca um in the 1990s or even the or sorry not the 1990s the 2015 timeline where obviously they're they're all adult and stuff um once you know that's settled uh, in 1990s, Wayne basically goes back to work. He meets Roland and the other higher-ups of the uh, the case, right? Uh, the current state of the state of the case for the Julie Purcell, uh, I guess you could say, um, the eyewitness accounts, right, of, of her and just the fact that she went to that 
Walgreens while they're all assuming um, she was dead. So right now, uh, the dude named Kent, he was the f original person who was uh, back in the 1980s. He was in charge of this case. And this is the same guy that I had mentioned ended up spilling the beans about what their tactic on the case was going to be. And that's why Wayne and Roland don't like him because they know that he's very ratty and i even have my own personal theories about that guy too that he must be involved in the case because so far in all iterations of trying to come up with a solution to finding these uh, the girl or the boy in the 1980s this guy has always been the opposition him and this other uh cop that is around as well so by this point in the 1990s, it's 10 years that have passed, he ended up becoming the uh, attorney general for Arkansas. So there is a theory that is going on saying that maybe he was involved with the, not the, exactly the disappearance, but maybe the cover-up. So th this whole season might be about a cover-up, but I'll go ahead and talk about theories at the end of this podcast, just so that we could kind of summarize episode three and four a little more neatly. So... Wayne doesn't like whatever the attorney general says, who obviously is very animosity, has animosity towards Wayne. So Wayne just kind of tells Roland or asks Roland, hey, like you were not going to do any of that shit that they just said, right? To which Roland replies, I wasn't planning on it. So obviously these guys are willing to get their hands dirty in a way, or maybe even just try to come up with a way where they can solve this case on their terms and not the other way around. So Julie and Will's mom, by this point, uh, Lucy, she's already died, right? So it's actually revealed that the, um, the uh, cousin, Dan, has been missing in action. So he's MIA. He's nowhere to be found. And in the episode, first, uh, the first episode discussion or second episode discussion, I, I forget, I did mention that one of the theories... Um, that is around is maybe Lucy's cousin Dan has something to do with the disappearances of Julie and Will because he was actually living with them um, for some time and maybe the peeping hole was a reference to him they did find Playboy magazines underneath the mattress for Will underneath Will's mattress in his room so it's established that those magazines ended up belonging to this cousin Dan but in the 1990s so far, um, it's definitely a very interesting thing that Dan is missing at the moment. Um, Wayne finally gets his hands on the Walgreens tape that he had heard about, and he does indeed see a girl who, for himself, he believes it to be uh, Julie, but a little more grown up. Fast forward back to the 2015 timeline, and Wayne is obviously trying to remember these memories trying to come up with some sort of timeline and he's trying to get at it at this case he ends up stopping over um his son henry's uh precinct because he's a cop and he tries to ask for his help he tells him that he needs to find roland because roland is the one who would have that information or missing pieces to the puzzle that wayne is trying to put together now at this point we really don't know what's going on we don't know what wayne is thinking in regards to what is the missing piece that he's looking for which is something that i like i think true detective the first season 
that's something that I think was very, very cool of them to be able to do where they're presenting this story. We are learning as much as these characters are. But at the same time, whenever we're uh, looking at the interviews of both McConaughey's character and Woody Harrelson's character, they keep kind of referencing things that we don't know about. And it, whether they end in cliffhangers like the episodes, we always were excited to kind of jump back in. And that's that's sort of the feeling that I get with this episode as well. There are things that are being exposed little by little, but we just kind of have to keep rolling in order for us to find out what is that. Henry uh, says sure that he'll look into it. And so Wayne ends up going to the hotel room of the director, the documentary director named Eliza. When he goes into the room, he sees uh, the hotel room. He does see two wine glasses that are next to the bed. And Wayne kind of is apologetic, saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not interrupting anything. And she says, oh, no, I was here by myself, which Wayne, the way he looks at the camera, if you see it, it's just it's very like, OK, sure. Right. You were drinking wine by yourself with the bed unmade. And even the way that she's dressed, it's it seems like if she just put something on and she's just there, you know, so she's a little flustered. But my biggest interest i guess with this particular scene is that wayne is kind of going on his own accord to talk to the lady but it's almost like he's going not exactly to get information but more like to confirm so there is a theory that's going around that he believes henry his son is sleeping with the director eliza now that would be really interesting because henry is married and he has two kids and you know with Eliza now kind of going into the mix now we as the viewer have to kind of wonder like all right so is this lady just a homewrecker is she does she have her own agenda on the side you know it's it seems very shady and I obviously don't have the answers for it but it's very interesting to know that his son Henry is being unfaithful to his wife and we kind of have to wonder if this is something that he learned from Wayne because of course with most most kids they learn everything from their parents so it kind of makes you wonder what exactly was going on with this or what is going on Eliza ends up revealing to Wayne that she can't reveal everything about what's going on with the case the current case but she does reveal that they ended up finding Dan's body and Dan again is the cousin of Lucy they ended up finding his body in um, later on in the 1990s um, and Wayne gets this information right and he ends up going home and he's recording and the following is probably one of the most eerie scenes of any true detective season and that's Wayne sitting in his office and he's talking to the tape recorder and the room kind of darkens up around him and then he ends up uh, just when he's talking about the case and what's going on he ends up kind of manifesting all of these quote ghosts or people that I'm sure he's killed over time. So you see a bunch of Vietnamese, Viet Congs, um, a couple of people that are obscured, but they're clearly not Viet Congs because they're not, you know, they're not dressed. The attire isn't on there. So while he's talking and you know doing all this stuff, all these kind of people are crowded against him, and that really makes him feel uncomfortable. It starts getting him in this anxious, anxiety-ridden state. And when he looks out the window, he notices a sedan 
that's actually uh, parked outside his house. So that's kind of interesting because what what exactly could that be? Now, remember, in episode three, we discussed that one of the things that Eliza, the director, told um, Wayne was that there was reportedly a brown sedan that was seen around the neighborhood, right? So is it a coincidence that now a sedan is parked outside his house? It doesn't really look brown, but, and plus it's it's a new version of a sedan, but it, it, it kind of comes to bring to light, like, is he imagining this stuff or is this actually true? Uh, what's happening? So we really don't know, but he, uh, he's recording himself all the same. We get a timeline jump back to the 1980s and we get a little bit more backstory with Tom and Roland's relationship in the 1990s. So Tom has been through hard times in 10 years. Obviously, the, the disappearance of his kids is something that affected him very much. And it's, you know, Roland ends up, we end up finding out, Roland is basically kind of his, his point guard, you could say. He is his in a uh, his sponsor or something like that. So, in the 1980s, it's revealed that Roland got a call to pick up Tom because he was at a bar. He was drunk, and when he arrives there, he ends up revealing to Roland that Lucy, who used to work at that bar, was actually sleeping with the guy who called the cops. Now the guys don't do anything; they just kicked his ass, but they don't want to hurt him or anything like that because. They figure, oh, well, you know what? He's he's lost a lot. But at the same time, Tom is very, you know, non-apologetic. He tells him, you know what? Fuck you. And I think he was more or less looking for a way to maybe even kill himself by someone else's hand. So I think that's very interesting to to kind of see. And I mentioned Tom's and Roland's, Roland's relationship in the 1990s because we later get a scene in where basically right uh what was it in episode three roland has a talk with tom who's clean shaven now right he's he's kind of cleaned up his act so it's a result i think of that 1980s uh beginning of of the friendship that tom realizes that roland is a good person and wants to help him out so this scene in the 1980s i think is really important just because it really shows the beginning of the relationship and hopefully we get to see a little more about that as well because after after that bar fight in 1980s roland ends up telling tom like hey you know what i could either put you in a bed in a cell or i could let you crash on my couch it's up to you and he ends up knocking out on his couch so Again, showing more humanity to Roland, which I think is really great. Um, it's really fantastic. Um, so now, let's say for this 1980s uh, timeline, Amelia makes a stop at the Purcell home. She has a big box of stuff that belong to Will and Julie. Um, but I specifically think, I think actually Will, because she uh, he was the one in, in her class. But she the lucy his mom ends up getting the box and just kind of going through it and she talks to her and she feels obviously there's some sort of like guilt or more anxiety written on her face she is very almost confrontational with amelia because she forgot that she had told amelia that it was fine to drop off the stuff at her house so she doesn't really remember that but she does say something that's very interesting which is she says 
the, the something that was written on the on the note, which is children should laugh. So that kind of brings to mind a lot of things like is she doing it on purpose referencing the note because uh, before she even does that she just talks to Amelia about her kids and about what's going on and how she she really does feel for Tom in a sense but once Amelia suggests to her like hey you know what maybe you should talk to the detectives because they're really nice specifically detective Wayne Hayes and Lucy gets a little confrontational and she asks Amelia to get out of her house. So obviously it's not a comment that is very, it's taken very well by her, you know? Um, next off in the 1980s, we have Wayne having a conversation with Freddie. Now, Freddie, if you don't remember, is one of the teens that was driving around that purple Volkswagen. Specifically, that's his purple Volkswagen, and he was the last person to see the kids. And talking to Roland and Hayes, and you know, they're very stern and very, like, by, not exactly by the book, but definitely not pulling any punches, right? They tell him, look, we already have a death penalty set up for you, life in prison. If you don't help us out then that's it you're you're pretty much done and roland um kind of asks um hayes in a way to kind of like toughen down on the kid wayne ends up telling him look um we're gonna go ahead and kind of repeats that whole rape thing with black people that he did to that one uh a, a pedophile that had worked at that one preschool that we talked about in episode two so there's that it keeps alluding to that and even roland makes a comment saying that that prison rape is a real go-to for you lately huh and you know he kind of tells wayne is there something that you want to tell me so whether it's a joke or not i mean not that it's a subject to joke about but it's something that does kind of come up re uh, a lot with with wayne and whether it's a cultural or whether it's just a thing of the character that is something i think to note and it ends up working because Freddie ends up telling him that, telling them that he did see uh, Will at that one area where there's a watchtower where all the kids hang out, uh, teenagers specifically, where they drink and they smoke and they just kind of really fuck shit up. And Freddie admits that he ended up taking Will's bike. He ended up chasing him, and but he ended up being too drunk and he got lost. So right away at that point in time i think that both roland and and wayne are kind of like okay so this kid saw something before but he's not saying it he's saying it till now he didn't say anything before so that's something that they have to go off on so it's clear that the kid was there and it's established that they were there but just what ended up happening to them afterwards you can't really you can't really tell from that so now the last scene of the episode four you have woodard the native american uh, who picks up the trash with his go-kart he is talking to some kids right now remember in episode three the fathers of the community basically told woodard look if you talk to any of these kids again we're gonna go ahead and have some problems and it's not gonna end well for you so 
Woodard is there in the open talking to these two girls, nothing explicit or anything like that, but just kind of saying, hey, if you ever find some trash, um, I'll give you a nickel for it if you bring it to me. And as he's having this conversation, one of the men, the father of the girls, he's at his house and he has binoculars and he's looking at this uh, this man talking to his daughters, the same guy who basically threatened him saying, if you ever talk to any of the kids again, we're going to go ahead and have a problem. So he ends up calling the uh, his friends up and the next scene pretty much has Woodard looking around and walking by walking back uh, to his home and sure enough there's like a group of trucks and and cars coming towards him and that's when he's just straight up goes for for a run he sprints and that scene even though it was pretty short I thought it was pretty uh, fantastic um, really high paced I feel and it really made you think kind of like what the hell is going to happen you know this is this is crazy these guys are essentially running down this one dude who takes off his shoes and is sprinting like full force back to his home so he gets into his house right and it's it's pretty crazy because he pretty much ends up having the entire house booby trapped so that bag that he ended up getting in episode three that we didn't know what was in it's revealed that he has a bunch of explosives, he has an assault rifle, he has grenades and all that stuff, and he is luring these guys who threaten him into his home to pretty much fuck shit up, for the lack of a better word. Uh, the guys are all there pointing their guns at the door, someone ends up calling or radioing uh, Roland and Wayne to go down to Woodard's house because some shit's going on, and right as all you know they arrive the main leader of these men is at the door and he's tr pretty much telling Woodard look like if you don't open this fucking door right now I'm gonna kick it in and I'm gonna come in and get you what he doesn't know what everybody doesn't know is that um, Woodard had put a string on the door that is connected to a claymore now if you guys don't know what a claymore is it is a it looks like a little square bag almost right but it's like this it's it's filled with explosives it's like i think c4 or something like that and a claymore is essentially used to if if let's say it's triggered it's a giant freaking explosion and wayne and roland are you know they pull up to the house wayne yells at the guy because the guy who is the leader of the the group of men is about to kick the door in he yells stop and as the episode ends and the credits hit, the guy kicks the door open and we just hear an explosion and roll the credits. And that is pretty much the end of episode four. Now, that was a really long discussion. <laughs> and something that I wanted to say before I actually get into the theories is that every season has, episode, uh, has eight episodes, right? And I think for the remaining of the season, I'm going to be presenting the, when it comes to True Detective podcasts, I'm going to go ahead and present them in two episode forms. So it'll be episode one and two, three, four, five, six, and then finally seven and eight, because I just think it's better to get them all out, you know, two by two. It, it gives me some time to at least prepare for it. And I want to keep on delivering a consistent sort of content anyway. So I hope... I hope that it, it all works out but anyway let's go ahead and go to the theories so overall 
and before the theories, let's let's get into a bit of a discussion for episodes three and four, and just really what I thought about it. So both of these episodes were solid. I actually really, really did enjoy them. There were some people complaining that episode four was a little more boring compared to episode three, but if I'm honestly being frank, the the entire season so far to me has felt um, a little blander, I guess you could say, but not even in a bad way because. You could argue that, I don't know, uh, season one of True Detective, which is, for for the record out there, one of my most favorite pieces of drama ever uh, um, that has ever been presented. Um, it's just, there's, there's a certain tone for it, I think. Every season has a certain tone. And while season one may have flowed a little better, and it could be just because it was a new show at that, Season three definitely kind of takes you on a much more laid back ride. The stuff that you're seeing, the stuff that's being heard, is still pretty good, but it the, the, the flow is a lot slower. And I, I for one appreciate that because it doesn't have to be high paced action all the time. You could argue that season two was also kind of like that in where it was, you know, action and action, action. But having talked about it in episode one, if you, if you guys um, have not uh listen to the podcast uh for episode one and two um with true detective season two nick pizzolato had a lot less time to actually come up with a proper story that really could follow the first season so i think with episode uh, sorry with season three he is doing a better job of at least making sure that the season is running smoothly without rushing anything and you know i think if we're patient enough we're gonna get to the point in where we're for sure gonna be at the edge of our seats at the every every episode every episode as uh, up until now i think has had me very very interested um see, uh, episode four i don't think was not not interesting because i think we find out some information you know whether it's the director eliza having a supposed affair with uh wayne's son henry or the fact that the Attorney General Kent is now, well, Attorney General, and he is the one that's also kind of calling the shots in this investigation. I think that it does present important information that we have to look at more closely in order for us to to figure, figure something out. Um, I think the inclusion of the lady who sold the dolls is important because now we know where the dolls come from and whether or not she's being truthful is completely up to us i think um but overall i thought both season one uh, sorry episode four and episode three i thought they were pretty good um but let's go ahead and jump into the theories now okay so theory number one i talked about how amelia could potentially be a suspect and so the way that i'm thinking about it now um having really listened and read over the different theories that were presented on the subreddit for True Detective, I think that Amelia is a red herring. I think that Pizzolatto wants us to know, or wants us to think, sorry, that she is bad news. But I think that we are just gonna get mind effed <laughs> in a really good way at the end of the season. I think it's a total, total mind blowing moment. And this is what my personal theory is. I think that Wayne 
having all these memory problems is the biggest scope of everything. You know, it's like it's going to be the biggest clue to everything because something we learned in season one or something that uh, was presented to us right in, in the philosophical sense that is season one it was that time is a flat circle so time repeats time is a loop it's a circle we repeat our lives whether it's not ourselves but these actions are are, are kind of coming and going and coming and going you know it's a repetitive cycleness to it season one ends with them taking down the person that they had tried to take down 20 years ago but this time the difference being they ended that that particular circle right but it goes on you know they even mentioned that there are hundreds of other cases i'm sure where there's corruption and all that stuff but i think the same thing could be applied to season three and what I mean by that is with his memory failing, it is completely possible that maybe Wayne is not the person that we think he is, you know? Um, I believe that if it's revealed that he knows something or maybe he did something that we may see as being kind of like, oh shit, like, what, what do you mean? Like, what if he was involved with the disappearance, you know? I think that the whole Amelia thing is not is not put there to make us think oh yeah she's definitely innocent like no like for sure they put it there to make us think that she's guilty but maybe we are presented it like that because that's how wayne's memory is we are already aware that wayne does not have a very flattering view of his wife in the 1990s in the 2015 timeline he doesn't even remember his wife he doesn't even read her book he doesn't do any of that stuff so that's really interesting to me because even if he has the Alzheimer's or anything else, I think if someone is important in your life enough, you will remember them. I even saw a theory that what if Wayne is just faking his illness? What if he's not really forgetting this stuff and he just really is on this kind of, I'm tricking everybody so I could get the truth out there or, or something like that. And that would be really interesting. I think that would be a really cool twist. And we can't really tell, obviously, right now if that's going to work in the long run. But so far, I think that it would be a really big mind-blowing moment if it's actually all in Wayne's mind, in a sense. And the things that we see are only presented to us because he's the only, you know, quote, reliable narrator. Um, he is the only person that we're hearing the story from. We, we haven't heard it from Roland at all. And we haven't even seen Roland in 2015. Um, something that I mentioned last time was how Wayne, when he's having dinner with Henry and his son, Henry and his wife, uh, his daughter-in-law, right? Henry's wife, two kids. He he kind of thinks like, he, he's talking about, hey, let me, can you hit up uh, Rebecca for me, his, his daughter? And Henry gets upset at that. His wife tries to comfort Wayne, telling him like, oh, you know what? She's kind of busy. She's doing music and all that stuff. But Henry gets visibly upset about that. So what if, completely possible that maybe Wayne doesn't even remember that his girl died maybe maybe the only people he has in his life are literally just his son Henry and his immediate family which would be like his grandkids and his daughter-in-law what if somehow Rebecca died years ago and the fact that he he being Wayne doesn't remember that it um, for for Henry at least it, it kind of triggers that you know so but this is going off the assumption that Wayne's memory problems are bad and 
I don't know how strongly I believe the theory that maybe Wayne is involved in it somehow, but I, I would not complain at all if that ended up being the truth, you know? So another theory that is going around is something that I talked about last season and I guess putting together things from episode three and four is that the Hoyt family, so Hoyt is the family that owns that one, uh, what is it, like a chicken factory, right? Or meats production factory. Uh, where Lucy used to used to work they are the ones that we learned in episode 3 were offering a cash uh, cash what is it award for any sort of information that they may have found about Julie or Will Purcell but I think by this point it was about Julie because Wayne, uh, Will was already dead at that point and so again very interesting uh, with the Hoyt family there's a theory that says that what if because it's established that the Hoyt family uh, went through a picture at least in that Ozark Center where Roland and Wayne end up going that they had, uh, the Hoyt family had a girl, right? And so people say that what if it's possible that Lucy being a drugged out person, not necessarily you know, because she has sex with everybody and sleeps around that she's the bad person, but more of a drug addiction. What if somehow she made a deal with her employer about essentially presenting over Julie to 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 people to like to to Hoyt or to somebody else? What if they sold she sold to her or or was along with the with the whole abduction, if it is of Will and Julie Purcell? Something that Amelia said in episode three was, what if all this was an accident? What if this happened on accident? What if Will died on accident? And that's where people are kind of jumping at it saying, well, maybe Amelia's involved because she straight up, you know, she's coming up with these theories that are completely plausible. But again, it could just be a red herring and where she's completely innocent, but she is giving us the viewer things to think about that maybe we're not really looking too, too in depth to. Another theory is that Lucy for sure knows um, that someone was involved or she was accomplice in that because of her quoting the note that was left for Tom. So what if it's possible that she is quoting it because either she feels bad or she's the one that wrote the note. So again, we can't really tell just yet. Uh, we, we're gonna have to keep on watching or, or listening to, to any other theories or episodes uh, discussions to see what we could get out of it. Um, but that's pretty much it. Those are my theories regarding these two uh, episodes, episodes three and four. I thought they were really great. And again, they're a little slow, but I think that if we continue trudging on with them, we're definitely gonna end up finding the truth to what really happened in this mystery. And I, for one, am super excited to see how the season ends. I have been waiting for the show to come back for about three years now and seeing it finally come back and knowing that the writer and the people involved in it are taking a extraordinary measures to provide a good good time for television I think is really great and I think it really shows Maharshala Ali has equally already said that he um, is excited about the season finale which apparently has been confirmed is going to be about an hour and 20 minutes long which, which makes it a really long finale because normally let's say with these episodes they've been consistently about 50 plus minutes which is great because even if it's slow 
you really don't get the feeling that the the time is running by fast you know like it yeah it's the the stuff that you're fine, uh, seeing is interesting but you don't really get the sense of oh man I, this is dragging on it's dragging on it's dragging on so a finale at being an hour and 20 minutes i think is great and i hope that it's done exceptionally well which i'm sure it will be uh just knowing how how careful the producers for the show are being right now but anyway that's the end of my discussion i'm gonna try to go ahead and be uploading other things besides true detective because if you guys are not into the show at all i would not want to be putting out content that is not acceptable or anything like that i apologize if i didn't if i do not upload things as fast as i sh as i could it's just more of trying to juggle you know being a parent and doing you know just chores around the house and all this stuff uh trying to come up with a consistent schedule and you know writing scripts for for these podcasts it really is time uh time consuming but i will make the effort and i hope you really did enjoy this particular podcast episode i know that i'm having a lot of fun discussing it and as always please comment email check it out um I recently added uh, the podcast to the Stitcher network. So if you're listening to it on there, that's great. It's fantastic. And if you're listening through it through the SoundCloud podcast, equally, I'm grateful. Anyways, uh, to basically spread it around. If you guys have any friends that are interested in listening to these type of podcast discussions or if they have any suggestions, I'm totally up for it. And that's pretty much it. Thank you so much. My name is Jay, and you've been listening to Visual Radio Podcast, True Detective Season 3, Episodes 3 and 4. Thanks so much, guys, and have a great, great weekend. Goodbye.